You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum. Firstly, want to wish everybody happy holidays. Secondly, let's get into this tape, Chris, between the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings, where the Giants unfortunately lost by the leg of Greg Joseph, 60-plus yard field goal, again, third time since, what, 2017 this has happened to the New York Giants. Giants fall 27-24. Chris, how was your holidays? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Holidays were... They're always good. It's good to see family. It's good to unplug for at least a little bit, but now we're back. We're back to it, and we get to look over this game while we get get ready for what will probably be the biggest game of the Giants' season. Yeah, against the Indianapolis Colts, who were just beaten by the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football. Giants got to win that game at home against a much inferior opponent with possibly Nick Foles starting at quarterback, but we'll look at that a little bit later in the week. Let's start with this 24 to 27 loss to the Minnesota Vikings, a very competitive game where the Giants, I would say, Chris, established their best offensive rhythm of the season against what, I mean, let's be honest, Giants haven't really passed the football too well consistently this year. They haven't created a lot of explosive plays through the air, but against the Minnesota Vikings and their 31st ranked pass defense, the Giants were cooking. Yeah, they they really were. I I think we can get into a few different aspects of this past defense and why the why the game worked out the way it did. But this was really the Giants' best offensive game and their best game passing, best game throwing the ball of the year. And I I don't think there's really any argument against that. No, there's not. And the Giants were doing it out of a lot of 11 personnel. We saw a mixture of the pony package, which is two running backs. I believe they ran the pony package 9% of their offensive plays. And the 11 personnel is interesting because we've seen the Giants and Mike Kafka's offense kind of evolve over the season. Remember, there was a long stretch of the season where it was like, hey, they're going to use six offensive linemen and just try to establish the run and do that. Now we've started to see Mike Kafka incorporate more 11 personnel, more quick game passing concepts. And I think it is expanding this offense. And I know this was against the Minnesota Vikings defense, not the best pass defense, as we already discussed. But I still think just the quick hitting nature of how Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton are winning off the line of scrimmage and winning inside on these slants, it says something about how maybe this Giants team can keep working the football down the field using quick game and using 11 personnel. I mean, they ran 11 personnel, 86.4% of the snaps in this game, Chris, which is the second highest of the season. The first highest was just two weeks ago against the Philadelphia Eagles in a blowout when the Giants were just throwing basically the entire game. This wasn't a blowout. This was a very competitive football game. The Giants were having success with their 11 personnel package without a true number one receiver. They were. And I think this... the way the Giants team has come together has been built over the course of really over the course of 
the season with the way Joe Shane has massaged the salary cap, brought in players, and maybe not all according to plan as they envisioned things back in March and May and August uh, or September or October, but it has really come together in a way that I think works for them and works to everybody's strengths. And part of, I think the giants success is in this game is the Minnesota Vikings, the way they play defense, a not very well and B, with a lot of zone coverage, that I think works very well with the type of traditional quick game offense we saw with a lot of slants and just quick hitting pass plays to guys like Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins, who I think are still getting a an inordinate amount of disrespect from a lot of people around the Giants universe. They are because Isaiah Hodgins, look, this guy runs like a four six one, but I feel like he plays a little bit faster than that. He has a little bit more juice and he has a ton of the technical under he understands the technical side of football, right? Like he understands how to get open. He understands how to run those double moves. He understands how to release off the line of scrimmage, sell avert, and then go inside. I feel like the nuance of running or of playing wide receiver is something that Isaiah Hodgins really grasps. And that's something that I respect because he's still a 24-year-old kid. He's a big body dude. Yeah, he was a practice squad player, but I feel like at this point, he has proven that he is an NFL player. He's not just some practice squad replacement. It's not Damian Ratley being uh, put out on the football field, getting targets and not catching them. Isaiah Hodgins is making big plays in huge games for the New York Giants and Darius Slayton as well. Look, Darius Slayton, He can be frustrating sometimes, but he's an NFL wide receiver that deserves to be playing in an 11 personnel package. And when you look at the New York Giants 11 personnel package right now, it consists of Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton. And then it's like, who do you want as that other wide receiver with Wondell Robinson and Sterling Shepard out? Kenny Galladay played two snaps. Marcus Johnson played three. You see the juice with Marcus Johnson, but he doesn't necessarily do a lot of the other things correctly. So then that leads you to Richie James, who kind of is the slot guy that you're looking for in this offense. And yes, he dropped that third and five. That was frustrating, Chris. But he's still understanding how to get open against zone, where to sit, where to be. And it seems like him and Daniel Jones are on the same page frequently. Yeah, and just to circle back a little bit to Isaiah Hodgins and his uh, time speed versus his game speed. Time speed is nice to have. Yeah, that those athletic measurables are nice to have, but they don't mean a damn thing if you don't have it between the ears, if you don't understand the technique, the artistry of playing wide receiver or playing any position at the NFL level. I mean, New Hopkins, not a burner, and he has been a very good receiver for a very long time. Cooper Cup, one of the best receivers in the NFL, not a burner. Again, he's a guy with I believe four, six speed, but he gets open almost at will because he uses his route running as a weapon. He's a chess player out there. And Isaiah Hodgins, no, he's not on their level. He's not a wide receiver one, but I believe he could be a starting possession receiver in the NFL, a, a, go- a really good flanker or a wide receiver three out there because of his route running, the way he uses that to get open and uses his body size, his frame to expand receiving windows. I mean, he put James Bradbury 
and Darius Slay in the spin cycle in that game against the Eagles. He is not a bad receiver. He absolutely deserves to be on an NFL offense. I 100% agree. And the play of these receivers led to Daniel Jones throwing for 334 passing yards, which is a lot. The Giants were not afraid to ask Daniel Jones to drop back and pass in 11 personnel in empty where they had seven plays. And the Giants per EPA, I'm looking at Dougie Analytics, go follow him on Twitter. He's an excellent follower, covers the New York Giants and gives a lot of the analytical information that Giant fans are looking for. So follow Doug Analytics. The Giants did well passing and running the football out of 11 personnel. And then if you look at them in 12 personnel, Chris, it's typically a a personnel package to run out of the Giants aligned in it, what, three times? And in each time, they passed the football for a really positive EPA. One of them, obviously, being because it was a touchdown pass to Isaiah Hodgins on that play action rollout. But I just look at what the New York Giants are doing. And even one of the pony packages, the plays, Chris, I think it was included with Daniel Bellinger as the fullback. Do you remember that one play when the Giants were an offset eye? That's not a formation yes. the New York Giants run. Daniel Bellinger released through, I think, like the A or the B gap and then just ran the deep kind of over or deep flag route from the middle of the field. Excellent play design by Mike Kafka, but unfortunately, Brian Azamoa did an excellent job punching the football away from Daniel Bellinger. But keep using your your players and your assets in these creative ways, I still feel like we're getting these little wrinkles from Mike Kafka that we didn't see earlier in the season. And I know a lot of people seem to have been down on Mike Kafka after the after the Giants struggled, after the Houston game, and when they lost against several different teams. I don't know, man. I think this guy is really just coming up with new ways to put the New York Giants offense into a position to have success, despite the fact that they have some protection issues and maybe some limitations. Yes. And I honestly love seeing the 21 and 12 personnel packages used as passing packages, as opposed, as opposed to running formations. Those are things that uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, run. Yeah, they use a lot of those heavier, more condensed personnel packages as passing packages. And it's really effective because number one, you get the defense thinking run. You see a heavy personnel package out there on the offense, the defense, they are going to play their run fits first because that's just the way they are coached. And defensive coordinators, they're going to put their heavier personnel packages out there on the field expecting run. But when you have a Saquon Barkley, a Matt Breida, you have Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James out there being able to effectively run routes and separate. And Daniel Jones is a good ball handler. I know I have been pretty hard on him at times, but one of the things I've never criticized is his ball handling. And there's at least one or two plays every single game where he fakes out the cameraman. <laughs> and when you can sell run like that through formation, through ball handling, and then you condense your formation and just create traffic for the defense, that makes throwing so much easier. And it makes it easy to pick up yards after catch because defenders just don't get clear paths to the ball. They don't get clear paths to the ball. And one other aspect too, Chris, and I wanted to kind of get your opinion on, or at least just put out there. We've seen over the last three weeks with Mike Kafka and what he's been able to do, 
the Giants are running a ton of switch releases with the number one and the number two, right? A ton of switch releases and a ton of double slants in breaking routes where if it's man coverage, they're going to continue their slant. If it's zone coverage, they're going to sit in the void. And I feel like these receivers have been doing an excellent job running those routes. But I really think the Giants are starting to find a way to create explosive plays when there is a vertical element off of the post wheel, which is a switch release that the Giants have been running all season. They never freaking threw the post or wheel. They threw the wheel route this week to Richie James, and it ended up going for a 30-plus yard gain. I hope they can continue to do that because it is a way to really just generate some sort of offense down the field. And against Minnesota, again, defense sucks. Get it. But if they can continue to do this against the Colts and establish some sort of deep passing rhythm, then we're talking about a Giants team that if they do make the playoffs now has that deep passing attack in their arsenal. And that's something that I really hope the Giants can can develop because that field side or that throw to Richie James was a field side throw, which is something that we haven't seen a ton of this year from Daniel Jones. No, it it really isn't. And I think defense is kind of keyed on that tendency from the Giants if they can incorporate it a bit more, even if it's something they're not particularly comfortable doing, if they can incorporate it just enough to make defenses respect it, that will give the rest of the offense that much more room to operate. Yeah, I'm not sure how well they would be able to execute it against a defense that is able to play more tight coverage and is we'll say a little bit better at rushing the passer than the Vikings are uh, better able to contain wide receivers than the Vikings are, but it was at least encouraging to see. It was. And just switch releases, stack releases. That's another thing that Mike Kafka is using a lot. And Richie James was able to create a lot of separation on two stack releases on third down, one of them that he dropped, which was unfortunate. But I want to transition a little bit to Saquon Barkley in this rushing attack. Look, Barkley had 14 carries for 84 yards, average six yards per carry. I've seen a lot of people say like Barkley should have got a little bit more work on the ground, but I don't know, man. I felt like the Giants had a rhythm passing the football and it was working for them. So I was okay with only 14 carries for Barkley, especially because this guy also had 10 targets and was heavily involved in the passing attack, which you know, Chris, Whenever the Giants see Saquon Barkley against a linebacker, and you brought this up, I think, maybe two shows ago about how these, this offense is read low to high at times, right? Instead of high to low. I think specifically with Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, that is 100% accurate because if Daniel Jones sees a linebacker doesn't have leverage and Saquon Barkley is going outside, what does DJ do? He quickly just gets the ball to Barkley and then is Barkley against the linebacker in space. Ask John Bostic how that usually goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That is really just an easy decision. In fact, that's not even a decision to make. See it, throw it. Uh, That is probably hard-coded into every single play where that is even an option for the Giants. And I also don't have a problem with Barkley carrying the ball 14 times. He's gotten a lot of work this year, and he is... For a while, he was running headlong towards that 370 touch barrier where even if the runner has a good year, the, immediately after they fall off a cliff. That is, yeah, you know, it's just a matter of wear and tear and recovery and yeah, you know, even injuries that don't cost you a game, they still add up and that 
it, it still takes a toll on the runner's body. So I'm kind of fine giving Barkley a little bit less of a rushing load, especially against a Vikings defense, which as we've been saying, they can't defend the pass, but they do have a pretty good defensive front. And the the Giants were able to make some hay on the ground, but I'm not sure how much of that was the small sample size where a couple big runs outweighed a couple shorter runs by quite a bit. If you're carrying the ball 25, 30 times against Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, Harrison Phillips, Zed Smith, Neil Hunter, I don't know if you're going to be able to maintain six yards per carry. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain of that. And we know that the Giants had that explosive run that ended up going for a touchdown late in the fourth quarter by Saquon Barkley. One more thing on the offense, Chris, and I think it's important. And there's actually two parts of it that I want to get into. First off, the offensive line, I would say, looked better in this game against a solid front. But there's there's one player that we need to get into, and we'll do that in a second. But first, I want to ask you, what's your opinion on this whole Gates and Ben Bredesen situation? Because ever since Bredesen has been back, I, I do feel like he is a little bit more maybe technically sound than Nick Gates, but Nick Gates adds a kind of a different type of edge to him. And then you look on the right side and you see Mark Lewinsky, who has kind of been a liability all year. I just kind of want to get your overall thoughts on the guard position right now with the New York Giants. I guess it's a good situation to be in. And I don't know if good is the right word, but you have three guys who are at least capable of starting. So what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I I think it's a little bit weird that the Giants are rotating, but it is also more more or less working. I I don't know if it is a just snap count rotation where they're trying to keep maybe both of these guys or they don't have the ability to play a full snap load. So they're trying to keep them both as fresh as possible because Nick Gates he is coming back from just an absolutely devastating injury. And it is understandable if he is, if he struggles with a 60 or 70 snap game and Ben Bredesen, he is also coming back from injury and it's possible. He might also struggle with 60 or 70 snaps. So maybe this rotation is just by necessity going forward. I think between Gates, Bredesen, and Josh Zudu, assuming his neck his neck issue resolves over over the offseason and he returns to full health. It isn't it isn't a career threatening injury, which we have no indication that it is, but also with the neck I, I neck injuries are scary, <laughs> you know. But I think between those three guys, the Giants have their left guard, their right guard, and a very versatile backup for 2023 and beyond. The center position, you know, we'll have to see. Interestingly, just before we started recording, I looked up ESPN's pass block win rate, and I was kind of stunned to see John Feliciano ranks 10th in in that metric, which is, you know, do they hold up for two and a half seconds in pass protection or not? And Feliciano is holding up for 10 seconds. Let me see. What is it? Yeah. 95% of the time, which is only 3% off of Creed Humphrey, who is the number one. So 
at least in pass protection, Feliciano has been pretty okay out there, at, at least lately. He still kind of struggles with big, powerful nose tackles, but that's not uncommon. So, I feel like a lot of centers do. Yeah, they do, which is kind of why teams use big, powerful nose tackles. <laughs> <laughs> so I think overall, the Giants' offensive line has been playing better since they've gotten healthy, since they've returned to basically what their, their initial starting lineup was. Yeah, and then it comes down to Evan Neal, man. He continues to to struggle right now. And I, I like to say I, I remain high on Evan Neal, and, and I do. But it's the little technical things that he's just not mastering. This is another game where he surrendered over five pressures. He had seven pressures in this game. And the sack that he surrendered to, I think it was DJ Wanham, but he also surrendered like a devastating play to Daniil Hunter as well. And for me, Chris, like it just doesn't seem like his feet, his eyes, his hips, his hands, they all work in unison, right? Like sometimes his hands will be engaged and then he doesn't bring his feet with him, which leads to him lunging, which leads to him on the ground, which leads to Daniel Jones getting hit. And it's just one of those things that I'm hoping can be fixed, just like Andrew Thomas. But the issues that Andrew Thomas had seem to be different than the issues that Evan Neal currently have. So I'm, I'm going to remain high and optimistic. And I, and I really know he's a hardworking, conscientious individual, but it has not been pretty so far for Evan Neal. And I also want to give him a little bit of credit. He missed a big chunk of the season being injured. That more than likely has a big reason or is a big reason why he is still struggling. But uh, this this is another game tape where I'm coming away, just kind of shaking my head, being like, damn, man, we need to see more from the number seventh pick in the draft. Definitely. And I, I agree with all of that. I think the injury did uh, interrupt his development because that's a lot of practice time, a lot of mm -hmm. instruction time that he has missed. I am like you. I remain high on Neil. I think he has all of the physical all of the athletic tools to be a very good bookend for the Giants. I think he will take a significant step forward in his first full offseason as a pro, but I think he is somebody we do need to watch in training camp and preseason, and then in the 2023 season. I think that will kind of be a, uh, a very important year for him, because if he doesn't take that step forward, if he isn't able to get his hands and feet and leverages all synced up, yeah, I, I don't want to invoke Eric Flowers, but yeah, he's he does kind of start to go down that path where you look at him, he's got the tools, he's just not putting them together, and you start to have to ask, okay, why? And maybe he has to get moved inside. Maybe you're you're back looking for another offensive tackle and that's not a place the giants want to be. Yeah. And we're not there yet. And I don't think no, he's Eric flowers. Yeah. I think Evan Neal has more a technical understanding than Eric flowers. Eric flowers literally just out there just like moving around. Whereas Evan Neal, I do believe even though it, it's not consistent, you see the technique there. It's just not consistent. And it's like, why isn't it consistent at this point? And that's why I'm getting a little frustrated because right now this guy, he, he's like, has 36 pressures on the season and he's played in 11 games, whereas everybody else has played in, you know, 15 games or 14 games, 13 games, something like that. So, and the 36 ranks, I want to say in the top 10 
It is, yeah. I'm just pulling up pro football focus right now. It's 10th in the NFL, tied with Jedrick Wills, but he played 15 games. So it's just something that this is a rookie. Hopefully, it's rookie mistakes. It's a hard transition to play tackle in the NFL coming from even a program like Alabama. So we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds throughout the early parts of his career. I remain optimistic. Hopefully, he can finish strong down the stretch of the season. But, Chris, before we talk about the defense. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris, the defense. Look, can we say anything else about Dexter Lawrence? Because I feel like every week we come in here, Chris, and we're when we're talking about how dominant of a performance Dexter Lawrence has because it's been very consistent this season, just how good he has been overall. And I just felt like he was splitting double teams. He was pressuring Kirk Cousins. He had seven pressures in this game, did not get a sack, hurried Kirk Cousins five times. And I just have never seen a 345 pound guy move in the manner that he does play 50 plus snaps in every single game and use his hands as quickly and as precisely as Dexter Lawrence does. This guy is a real damn good football player. Yeah, he has made good on the promise I think we all saw in his first three years where his rookie year, second year, last year, it was always like, yes, he is a massive man. He is powerful. He is explosive. And when he wins, it's because he is using those physical tools to just bully interior linemen. But then there were also those periods where he would kind of disappear for stretches or whole games, whole weeks at a time. And it was because he didn't really know how to use leverage. He didn't really know how to use his hands. Now, with the Giants' new coaching staff, he has learned how to use his hands. He's learned how to use his leverage. And that has completely unlocked that really rare physical skill set that he came into the NFL with that got him drafted as highly as he was. And yeah, every week you hear a color commentator talk about him as, you know, this big run stuffer who is, you know, people are surprised at how good he can move and rush the passer. Well, I'm not surprised. And frankly, he was never just a big run stuffer. He was always a big, powerful player who could push the pocket, but now he has become a true pass rusher. True pass rusher with 60 total pressures on the season, which ranks second behind Chris Jones. But Dexter Lawrence has about 60 less 
57 less pass rushing reps than Chris Jones does, which says a lot. He's the highest graded overall defender on the defensive line in pro football focuses position. Take that for what it's worth. But we watched the tape and we could tell you that it, this is sensational stuff that Dexter Lawrence is putting together. And I'm really optimistic and, and happy that he is a New York Giant. I'm figuring that he will be a New York Giant long term. The guy has a New York Giants tattoo, and I'm sure Joe Shane wants to keep a player like him. Because if you look at what Joe Shane and Brian uh, or Brennan Bean did up in Buffalo, they were looking for guys precisely like Dexter Lawrence, long athletic players who can just wear a ton of hats. And that's what this kid can do. Do we have any update, though, Chris, on Aziz Ojolari and Leonard Williams, who both exited the game? I know Brian Dable last night said that Aziz Ojolari, he talked to him. But he didn't commit, as Brian Dable doesn't, on if Aziz Ojolari will be available for this next game. I'm wondering if there was any sort of update on either of those two players. I know it's early on Tuesday, but do you have anything? No, I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, hopefully, the Giants will be will at least have Aziz Ojolari for this game against the Colts because the trio of Dexter Lawrence just being a bunker buster in the middle of that defensive front. Kayvon Thibodeau coming alive as a rookie, and then Ojolari being one of the best speed rushers out there. You know, with the burst and bend around the edge that he has, that has been kind of the secret to the Giants' defense over the last three, four weeks. He has such good bend, dude. It's so explosive. And what he's able to do with the ghost technique and just how he dips his inside shoulder and wins the edge, even on the play where he got the sack on Kirk Cousins, Aziz Ojolari, he he won high side, but I felt like the tackle, Christian Darisol did a good job preventing him from using his bend. So Aziz Ojolari then just kind of like ran around him and then Kayvon Thibodeau flew in and kind of took Ojolari's legs out. But Ojolari was able to dive and get his hands on Kirk Cousins to bring him down. It's just like, wow, this guy is wildly athletic and effective. He's just been dealing with these nagging injuries the entire year. But when this defensive line is healthy with Lenny out there, with Dex, with Ojolari, with Kayvon Thibodeau, who's just a rookie. Ojolari, just a second year player. They're they're so they, they could be the most they could be one of the more dominant defensive lines in the National Football League if they all develop the right way. Right now they're not, but they they legit have that type of potential with these rare athletes and, and just these these really effective pass rushers that are out there because pass rushing they are phenomenal run run defending they are very good Ojolari I feel like he still has some things he has to work out but I, I just remain so optimistic on this defensive line. Yeah, the I, I'm not sure we saw it coming, but the the defensive line is really still the strength of this defense. I think we kind of expected Wake Martindale's defense to be played from the back forwards because he didn't, he's never really cared much about what the defensive line does. His, his philosophy is I can scheme pressures. I can get guys up to fill gaps. I need a good secondary, but he has adapted very well to the Giants' defensive front, and they're really setting the tone for this entire defense. And I, I'm with you. I definitely think the the way Thibodeau and Ojolari in particular play off of each other, the way their skill sets complement each other. I would like to see Ojolari improve as a run defender. 
I do wonder if the Giants might not want to look into finding a third starting caliber edge defender just because Ojolari, this is his third lower body injury in the same season. Yeah, I'm. It's getting to the point where I'm not sure how reliable he is. When he's on, he looks like the second coming of OC. But if you can't rely on him to be there every week, you need to reinforce the depth behind him. I would agree with that. And I think it's a position, as Ernie Acorsi has said, that you consistently want to just find guys who can get after the pass. You need to disrupt the quarterback. And it's something the Giants historically have done a good job at doing if we look back on some of the defensive linemen that they have had. Before we get out of here, though, Chris, Justin Jefferson is just an insane man. Because Wink Martindale and this New York Giants defense put so much attention on this guy with cloud coverage, bracket coverage in the red area, just ensuring that he doesn't beat them. But it really just didn't matter. He had 16 targets, caught 12 of them for 133 yards with a touchdown. And the fact that the Giants were really putting so much attention on Jefferson opened up one-on-one matchups for TJ Hawkinson, who also had 16 targets, caught 13 of them for 109 yards with two touchdowns. And it was really just the Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson show. And I felt like the young cornerbacks, as respectable as they have played this year, we, we know their limitations. And even though Justin Jefferson had a safety over top and a cornerback and trail for a lot of the game, he still feasted and he still got his. Yeah, he, Justin Jefferson is a bad, bad man out there. And I think it honestly speaks to how good that that 2020 LSU offense was, that Jefferson was the other guy out there where, or sorry, was it 2019? Uh, you're, kind of, you're starting to run together on me. But that national championship, LSU, offense was with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, where Justin Jefferson, as good as he was, was the other guy and almost overlooked. And the Vikings got themselves a steal (laughs) in Justin Jefferson. He is one of those players where it really doesn't matter what kind of defense you throw at him. He is such a good route runner. He's got such good body control. He is another one of these players who is a chess player, on offense as a wide receiver he will he thinks he plans out drives in advance with how he is going to set up defenders and get them train them to expect certain breaks and certain moves and then use that to win because you know you're expecting one type of release against one type of coverage and he gives you just something different and it it is very impressive to see from a pure football perspective and you know, hopefully the Giants will be able to find a Justin Jefferson of their own. That's the goal. If you get someone like Justin Jefferson, that's generational. You're talking about, you know, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, players like that who are just with one team forever and are the big issue for opposing defensive coordinators. Let's hope the Giants can get that. And look, Giants might be picking around the same point where the Vikings selected Justin Jefferson. This is somebody who was drafted 22nd overall, and you had several receivers drafted in front of him, one being Jalen Rager, who is now a member of the Minnesota Vikings after he was kicked out of town by the Philadelphia Eagles. Just crazy to think if the Eagles had Justin Jefferson right now. Now, they probably wouldn't have A.J. Brown, but still, it's uh, it's uh, wild, wild how the draft works. It's an inexact science. But Chris, do you have any Anything else before we get out of here? No, I, I think that's pretty good. I think it's time to get on to the Colts. 
to try to figure out just who and what Jeff Saturday's squad are out there. I think they're trying to figure that out as well. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show. Please like, subscribe, comment on the podcast, share it with your friends. It would be fun. And then head on over to BigBlueView.com where we have all of our written content. We will wrap up our coverage on the Minnesota Vikings before transitioning over to the Indianapolis Colts. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely one. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.